good to have each and every one here tonight. We do have a number of visitors with us. We thank you for coming to worship with us. Uh, we do have a number of young people extra because of the activity that is tonight, and we're glad that you're here. It was not planned that this would fall tonight on the lesson talking about what we're going to discuss, but I think it is certainly appropriate. We've been studying for now 13 weeks the subject of Solomon's teachings in the book of Ecclesiastes. I entitled the series of lessons, Ponderings of the Preacher. And if you notice the meaning of the title of the book of Ecclesiastes, at least in Hebrew, is Koholeth, which means the preacher. And Solomon, as the preacher, pondered the meaning of life. And the series has a study of the reflections of Solomon. What I'd like to do is to begin with chapter 12 and verses 9 through 11. I understand this is going to be a little out of sequence for our lesson, but I think it's important as we conclude this series of lessons to understand what Solomon was saying. Solomon writes, And moreover, the preacher was wise. He still taught the people knowledge. Yes, he pondered and sought out and set in order many proverbs. The preacher sought to find acceptable words. What was written was upright, words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads. And the words of scholars are like well-driven nails given by one shepherd. And further, my son, be admonished by these. Of the making of many books there is no end, and much study is wearisome of the flesh. If you will, just let me summarize these verses by four simple points. He discussed the arranging of Proverbs, the setting in order. As he has pondered things, he tried to put together some Proverbs which are helpful, things that can be able to be understood. Now, I know we use Proverbs all the time, not just biblical Proverbs. Many of the Proverbs of our early founding fathers were very useful. You may not know of the Benjamin Franklin proverb. He says, early to bed, early to rise will make a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. You will notice there are many proverbs that Solomon is using, but his purpose here is to set them order and arrange them so that we can understand what life consists of. Number two, he says, I sought out acceptable words. You know, if a person has a great lesson, but he does not present it so that people grasp the meaning of it, they accept the meaning of it, then the, the lesson will go past a person. So you have to take acceptable words, and here he even brings it even closer by, he says, words of truth. These are words that people ought to listen to and gain from. And then he says that a man should be admonished by these. To admonish someone is to set them straight. Now, sometimes we can use that phrase and it's misunderstood. You know, uh, well, he set me straight. 
But literally, the idea of admonishing is saying, this is the right path to go. Let me focus you. And in fact, he describes the words of the wise as being goads. Now, for some of you younger people, you may not even know what a goad is. It's a stick with a prick on the end of it to make an animal, most likely a cattle, to go in the direction you want him to go. They would take a sharp stick and they would punch the animal. That's a goad. He said the words of the wise are goads. They keep pushing us in the right direction. They're guiding us. And then he talks about the accumulation of knowledge. He says as you look at all of these things and you bring them together, and he says the making of many books, there's no end to that. This idea of the accumulation of knowledge. And he says, much study is wearisome of the flesh. So Solomon has taken 13 chapters here. 12 chapters. And uh, I'm thinking about verse 13. And he has taken them and condensed them, compressed them, organized them, so that we can appreciate what he says. Now as we get to chapter 12, we're going to actually back up and get the last few verses of chapter 11 because they go together. And what we will look at is chapter 11, verse 9, through chapter 12, verse 1, and he will talk about adolescence. That's the younger age of life. When a person's actually beginning to find some areas of independence, independence of thought, independence of action... Then he's going to talk about advanced age. He's going to talk about what life will be like as you you get old. And then finally he will talk about the absolute in verses 13 and 14. Let's look at verses 9 through chapter 12 in verse 1. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you all the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. But know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. Therefore, remove sorrow from your heart and put away evil from your flesh. For childhood and youth are vanity. Remember now your Creator in the days of your youth. Before the evil days come, or before, before the difficult days come, and the years draw near when you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Let's explore what Solomon is saying here. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth. Notice how he uses that adjective there, saying young and youth. He's trying to get you to focus on that part of life. And as you focus on it, youth is a season of life in which a person has a lot of vitality. They have a lot of life in them, and yet they lack experience. You look at some of these little children that run around, and they can just run and run and run and seem to never run out of energy. As you get a little bit older, you still got a lot of that energy But you don't have experience as life begins to confront you with a lot of the problems and the difficulties you're going to face. Because of that, it is a time filled with various temptations. 
Listen as Paul addresses the young preacher, Timothy. He says to him in 2 Timothy 2, 22, Flee youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. I will tell you that as a young person, you are going to face lust. Whether you realize it now or not, you may be a preteen, but you teenagers already know that there are numerous situations of lust out there, and you have to learn to say no. You have to realize those lusts are out there setting before you, and if you give in to them, it will not be a good situation. In fact, Psalm 25 and verse 7, David says, Do not remember the sins of my youth, nor my transgressions. According to your mercy, remember me for your goodness sake, O Lord. You see, all of us in our youth do make mistakes. We, because of our lack of experience and because of the situations we may be confronted with, Many of us wish there are things we could go back and change in our life. But if you see them in front of you, make sure that you address them and deal with them. And so frequently what happens to people is at youth they want to cast off all restraints. They want to be able to go and have a good time. I can't tell you how many young people will sign up for college. They'll go to a school and the first thing they'll find there is there's tons of drinking. They'll find out that there's drugs being used by people on a regular basis. They'll find out that not only many are their classmates, but even some of their professors are going to be immoral people. And it appears as if the society around you that tells you, you enjoy it. I know the commercials will tell you that. I know that the music will tell you that and the, and the stars who are a part of it. Listen to Luke 15, 12 and 13. A man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of the goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed into a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. He took his inheritance. The father, before he died, said to his son, Okay, you want it? Here it is. What did he do with it? Because of his lack of experience, because of his lack of understanding, he went and he wasted it all. What is sad is later he came to himself and realized what he had done. He had broken himself morally. He had broken himself financially. And he now was broken in spirit as well. As Solomon continues on, he says, But know that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. You're going to have to give an account for your life. I know when you're young you tend to think, I'm going to live to be old like all these other people around me. And I I can take care of my life then. But do you hear what he is saying? He says, for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. 
I don't want to be insensitive toward the young man who was killed at the Tennessee ball game the other night. But the reports was he had been drinking. He fell off one of those ledges. His life was gone. He died. Do you want to meet the Lord while practicing sin? I don't think so. Notice what Ecclesiastes 12 verse 14 says. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. You see, the things that you may do, quote, in private, nobody else saw them, nobody else knows about them, God does. And on judgment day, you will answer for those things before God. In Hebrews 9, 27, it is appointed for man once to die, or to die once, but after this, the judgment. Or 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10, For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether it is good or bad. Every one of us are going to answer for those things. So what is Solomon's advice? Therefore, remove sorrow from your heart and put away evil from your flesh. There will be sorrow with sin. Now, let me be very plain and very clear. According to Hebrews chapter 11, Moses chose to share ill treatment with the people of God rather than enjoy the passing pleasures of sin or the pleasures of sin for a season. Sin does have some pleasure in it, but afterwards it brings sorrow. So he says, put away sorrow from your heart and evil from your flesh. 1 Corinthians eleven thirty one and 32 says, For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. What Paul is saying is, if you and I would just simply try to judge ourselves initially, think about it in advance, then you and I wouldn't have to experience the judgment. Prevention is the key. That's the reason why he says, remember now your Creator in the days of your youth. You young people who choose to be a Christian and a faithful Christian while you are young, your life will be much happier you will be a greater success. And more importantly, on the day of judgment, you can go to heaven. And you can enjoy the blessings that are a part of eternity. Now, let's flip the coin, if you will. Some of you older folks may not want to listen to this. This is not a pleasant section. He's going to talk about advanced age and what all goes along with it. While the sun and the light, the moon and the stars are not darkened, and the clouds do not return after the rain, in the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men bow down, when the grinders cease because they are few and those who look through the window grow dim, 
when the doors are shut in the streets and the sound of the grinding is low, when one rises up at the sound of a bird and the daughters of music are brought low. Remember your Creator before the silver cord is loosed or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain or the wheel is broken at the well. Then the dust returns to the earth as it was and the Spirit returns to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. All is vanity. And when you read that, you may say, I don't know what he's talking about. Perhaps that's because he's using figures of speech. You see, in response to the vigor, the vitality that the young people experience, Solomon pictures in very colorful and even in... uh, Uh, metaphorical ways, you know, illustrations, what it means to be aged. And he says, before this time comes, it almost seems that you go from youth to old age. Where did that middle age go? Most of us don't remember it. It just passes by so quickly. From verse 1, he says, before the difficult days or evil days come, Days when you say, I have no pleasure in them. Days when you get up and you say, instead of beautiful morning, it's like, oh, I ache and I don't feel good. Difficult days. Days that you don't derive any pleasure from them. Then he talks about the the sun and the light and the moon, and he says they grow dim. Do you know what that means? That's the failing of an eye. For those of you who've had cataract surgery, someone asks you, what does that involve? And say, well, I used to look like I was looking out my eyes and they had Vaseline on them and they was dark. And then I had that surgery and all of a sudden everything became bright again. It became clear again. But you know, in the time Solomon writes, there was no cataract surgery. And as a person's eyes began to grow old and to be to grow dim, not only could they not see, but the brightness of things began to diminish as well. And then he talks about the return of the clouds after the storm. And this was an ancient metaphor that meant if you had a storm, then you would have a short period of, of respite where you didn't have to have the storms of life. But he pictures here like you have a rain, then you have another cloud cloudy day, then you have a rain and another cloudy day, that there's no period of time to recuperate before the next storm of life comes. You know, when you're young, you get sick and you get well and you do well. It seems like when you get old, you'll get sick and then you'll start getting well and then you get something else and then you get something else. The trembling and the bowing low of those strong providers of the home Indicate those people who were once strong. They built this house. But now they need somebody to help them. They tremble. They're they're bowing over. The bowing of the back. When our Lord talked to Peter, He said, Most assuredly I say to you that when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry where you do not wish. You see, we have a lot of independence in our youth, 
But there comes a time when someone else has to help you get your clothes on. Someone else is going to be in charge of where you go and what you do, and it won't be at your choice either. Many older people grieve because they want to go home. You don't believe that. You visit Rain Tree. You visit NHC. You talk to some of these older people. Oh, if I could just go home. If I could just be able to be like a... Now I have to have somebody help me put my socks on. The grinders. The grinders were the teeth. You know what happens as you age? Decay sets in. You lose a tooth here. You lose a tooth there. There wasn't the crowning of teeth. There wasn't implants. You see, as you lost your teeth, you were unable to eat. The grinders began to cease, become few. He talks about the sounds of the streets unheard as if the door is shut. The sound of the grinding is low as the volume of the daughters of music. Your hearing is beginning to diminish. Again, there were no hearing aids. And a person as their hearing began to be like the door could be open. And you not hear what's going on out in the street. It's just like the door shut. The lack of sleep causes one to rise at the sound of a bird. You don't sleep well at night. You don't feel good at night. And all of a sudden in the morning a bird tweets or a rooster crows. And immediately your eyes open. Then he talks about being fearful, that frailty because you don't have the strength that you once have brings on fear. You know, when you're a, a strong man, you feel like somebody comes in my house, I'll take a club or a baseball bat and I'll take care of myself. What happens when you become a frail older person and you know that whoever comes in, if you raise a bat to him is going to take that bat and hit you with it. That brings on fear. Again, you talk with some elderly people who fear somebody mistreating them. And he says about the almond blossom, as it begins to bloom, and he, he gives a picture there, the same thing of a gray head. That's what an almond blossom looked like. And then he talks about the insect, the grasshopper, becomes a burden in that passage there. You know, a grasshopper, a little old insect, that becomes a burden. And then he says, before desire fails. Literally, the Hebrew language says, before the caperberry fails. And I've got to be honest with you, I spent a lot of time reading about caperberries this last week. thought it was very interesting. Caperberries, or as they're called capers, you can go to the store, you can find them on the shelf right next to the olives, were considered to be aphrodisiacs. Don't want to be vulgar about this, but they were ancient Viagra, if you want to know the difference. They're also some used by some for rheumatism. Whichever direction you take that, they don't work anymore. They fail person grows older and 
even the medicines they take seem to no longer be effective. And so finally one goes to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets. You see, the Solomon is picturing, it seems as if you're young and then all of a sudden you're old and all these aspects of advanced age take hold of you. He says, before the silver cord is loosed, before the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is broken at the fountain, and then the wheel is broken, these are all referred to things that you can't fix. Things that you can't put back together. Any of you ever broken a piece of ceramics that belonged to your mother or your wife? And you say, oh, let me go get some super glue and see if I can put that back together. You know what happens, don't you? That's the only thing that super glue won't hold. I'm telling you the truth, I know. <laughs> I've got experience with that. He's talking about life becomes so frail that when you break it, you can't put it back together. And the body returns to the dust from which it came. And the spirit returns to God who gave it. You remember what God told Adam and Eve in Genesis 3.19? In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken. From dust you are... And to dust you shall return. So he talks about adolescence. He talks about advanced age. And now here's the kicker. Verses 13 and 14. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Whenever you hear the preacher say the conclusion, and this is the preacher, and he's saying this is the conclusion, he says this is all of it brought together. This is chapter 1 through chapter 12. This is it, folks. He says here's what we're hearing out of all of this. Solomon pondered many pursuits to find the meaning of life, and his conclusion was, all is vanity. The word vanity means worthless. You know, you work to acquire a lot of money in life, and you know what? When you die, you leave it all. You go and you build a beautiful home, and you die. You know what? You leave it to someone else. And he says, who knows whether he'll be a fool or be wise. You work hard to build your fame. And you know what? When you're dead and gone, people forget who you are. Solomon says, when you look at this life, this life as far as what it offers is vanity. Thus what counts is fearing God and keeping His commandments. This is all of man. In Deuteronomy 10, 12, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in His ways, and to love Him, to serve the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul? That's what it's all about. When the young man came and asked Jesus, what was the great commandment? Jesus said, what does the law say? The law says you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, you've answered correctly. 
That's it. That's what it's all about. Serving God and keeping His commandments. Because every choice man makes will be judged by God. Go back to chapter 3, verse 17. He says, I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked. For there is a time there for every purpose and for every work. There's a time for it. You see, I want to be the one that God judges and says to, Well done, good and faithful servant. I do not want to be on the side that says, Depart from me, you who work iniquity or lawlessness. We've learned from Solomon as we have pondered the meaning of life. And you don't have to try it all. Because we have found the results of one who has tried it all and found it worthless. I never will forget Brother Tom Holland in class. Brother Holland, some people were asking him if he had done some things earlier in life. And he said, no. And they said, well, Brother Holland, how do you know if you've not done it? He says, I don't have to stick my head into a garbage can to know what trash is. You and I don't have to experience all of the sinful ways of life to know what the bad path is. That's what revelation is for. It's to define for us. This is righteous. This is wicked. This will lead to life. This will lead to death. Serving God is the meaning of life. Would you take your songbooks out now and let's sing this invitation song. If you're not a Christian, what a wonderful privilege tonight that you have. You can come and you can say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And because of your faith and your confession, repenting of your sins, be baptized and have all those sins washed away. You can leave here clean, pure, holy, headed for heaven. If you are one of God's children and you've allowed sin to creep into your life, you didn't listen to Solomon. You allowed sin to affect who you are. You can come and we'll pray with you. If you need to respond, please do as we stand and sing.